0: Welcome in the Sox in the basement. My name is Chris Lanuti. Dave is taking a week off. Uh, He's not feeling too hot. He woke up today with an awful lot of symptoms. He doesn't know what it is exactly. Uh, I'm hoping that it's nothing serious. We all know there's some virus going around. I don't know if you've heard about it. So far, so good. But I told him, like, take a break. Rest up. Take care of yourself. If you feel like you need to get a test, get a test. We're all pulling for him. And I'll get you an update as soon as I know what's going on with him. But I'm going to do it myself this week. And I have a great guest coming up on Saturday, so don't worry. If he's not able to do it on Saturday, I'm already lining up people that can come in. We're going to talk a lot about player development this Saturday as we're right smack dab in the middle of the World Series. But socks in the Basement is just going to be me, Chris, in my 9-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago. A bar that I built in, like, 2011. I think that's exactly when I built this built this bar in 2011 it's nine feet long and then it it curves and goes like another eh, what is that like three feet there and, and it sits down here in my basement it survived a flood I built it myself first of all I love this bar but it was built because I was a 911 dispatcher with the Cook County Sheriff's Police and I realized that I was spending way too much time at bars after a rough night and I figured if I needed to take the edge off I'd rather do it in my own home because you can get into a lot of trouble at bars, especially when you're dealing with some of the stuff I had to listen to. So I built this bar and my wife didn't believe I could build it because I never built anything in my life before, ever, like never. Like I painted a few walls. I suck at plumbing. You know, I've hung some things on the walls, I, 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 building something that's crazy. And I went online, I found like this website and I'm going to give them a plug, even though they've never paid me any money, barplan.com. I punched in the dimensions, like how tall do I want it? Like I measured it all on the floor, how, how wide I want it, how deep I want the bar to go, like everything about it. And I punched it all in and it punched out like buy this many two by fours buy this much or whatever. If you're going to finish it in Oak, this is what the finishing wood should be. I bought a bar rail from a place that just sells bar rails. It cost exactly the same amount as all the other wood in the bar because I want it to be like a cool rail and I love this bar. It's great. It survived a flood. We went away on a vacation. One time the basement flooded the bar. No damage. I use spar urethane on instead of polyurethane because I had a guy tell me it's the same stuff they put on wooden boats before they sail them in the ocean. And I was like, well, I want this thing to be indestructible because I have friends that come over like Dave, Dave comes over, throws his cell phone on the bar, throws his keys on the bar. He pounds on the bar while he's talking. Like you can't find a Nick in this bar. It is an indestructible oak bar sitting down here. And it's the only thing I've ever built in my entire life. And I still use the scrap from all the extra wood that I bought nearly 10 years ago when my wife wants a fire pit and I run out of wood and I go grab old pieces in the garage. So that's a little history on the bar that you've been listening to us do the show from for over two years. And I really appreciate you checking in. And we've reached this point now on socks in the basement where there's always this quick lull. And Socks in the Basement brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. I mentioned I had a flood years ago. Got a little bit of water in the basement about a week or so ago. They came over, analyzed the problem, took care of everything, and gave me a low-pressure quote. And I'm, I'm not saying, like, hey, uh, you could buy it and you got, like, a week. No, no, no. Ken Kirshner over there, he's a vet. He just goes, hey, uh, what's your email again, Chris? I, I give it to him. He, he punches it in. And he goes, there's, there's a quote in your email box. I go, how long? He goes, don't worry about it. It's in there as long. I, I made the quote. If I can do it for that, now I can do it for that in six months. And I haven't hit the go button yet because my wife's like, ah, wait, wait a month. And we don't need it right now. The sun pump had failed on us. But he told me, he's like, this thing will keep working, but I wouldn't go on a trip. And we're thinking about taking a trip, maybe for the holidays. We haven't decided yet. If we wait, he's like, you can wait till spring or summer. Next time you take a trip, when you can't pay attention to the fact that the sump pump might not kick on, then get it fixed. And it's just sitting there. I just have to go in my email box. I pinned it in my email box. And when I hit the thing, they're going to call me up, pick a date, come in, put in what they quoted me on. It's amazing. Family owned, female owned, veteran owned, FAMWS.com. Tell them socks in the basement sent you. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I've always prided myself that those that advertise with Socks in the Basement, and it's not that many because I do other podcasts and they were done for profit. Socks in the Basement was just me and my buddy Dave sitting down here and screwing around and talking about the White Sox. But it's gotten so popular, I was like, okay, well, we'll do limited ads. And trust me, we don't do very many ads on this show compared to my other shows. I do a show called the EP Podcast at Evergreen Park. I think we have like eight ad spaces in 30 minutes. Uh, that, that show makes three times the amount. That socks in the basement makes for me, even though socks in the basement has got three times the listeners, maybe more because I just don't want to I don't want to fill it up with advertisements and I only take on advertisers I like and I have to believe in them like I have to have visited their place or dealt with them before because I don't want you guys using somebody and then you're like, ah, that guy sucked. I'm never listening to socks in the basement again. I'm just not going to do that. But anyway, enough about that. You could tell I sat down here. I poured myself a bourbon tonight as I sit at the 9-foot uh, homemade oak bar to talk socks with you. Uh, I got 1792, it's a small batch, a buddy of mine out of New York. Him and his wife were drinking it the other day. They had it on Facebook. I had never tried it, and it felt like a bourbon on the rocks night. One rock, lots of bourbon. And, and maybe I'm being driven a drink by Rob Manfred. Speaking of the World Series, this is about the time that the commissioner of baseball always pops up out of a hole like in Whack-A-Mole, but you don't have a hammer. Bud Selig used to do it. Rob Manfred does it. He wants to keep the runner on second base in extra innings, and he wants to keep the expanded playoffs. Now, I've already gone on Twitter and said Rob Manfred sucks with the quote from the AP story. A good friend of ours has been on the show a lot of times, James Fox, thinks it's a good idea. James and I disagree on this one. Doesn't mean you won't hear James on the show anymore. I love Discord, I love conversation. I think whenever you guys hear me and Dave yell that something's a stupid idea, it's not that we don't want to hear your ideas. I used to always hate that on radio. You know, they just make fun of the caller. They, they think it's fun to make fun of the caller. We never do that on this show. You got, a, you got a dumb idea? Fine. At least you got an idea. You're a fan. You know, this is a show for fans, by fans. But anyway, the AP did an interview with Rob Manfred. And, you know, he's talking about everything with uh, the financials of Major League Baseball. But he said the two things that he likes the most are the runner on second base and the expanded playoffs. What about the universal DH? Doesn't that make far more sense? Especially because with all the interleague games, there really isn't a difference between the amount of American League teams and National League teams you play. Like, if we're all in the same pool, then maybe we need to do some realignment. Like, here's this. How about this? They had 16 teams in the playoffs this year, way too many. You know, I know the Astros did well in the postseason, but nobody under 500 should get into the postseason. Nobody. And the fact that the number one seeds are playing each other in the World Series, we're lucky. Because imagine if one of them hadn't made it and would have been one of those wildcard teams, or it could have been the Astros. Look how close they came. How is that fair to the Rays or the Dodgers? How is it fair to the division winners? The 162-game season should mean something. And your division winner should mean something. Like, look, I I remember when it was just the East and the West, and I'm sure there are some listeners that remember when it was just the American League and the National League. And now we've got three divisions, and we keep doing expansion. Fine, great. How about this? You want to keep the two leagues? You want to have American League and National League? Go back to East and West and expand the playoffs. I'll put up with that. What do you get right now that gets in there? You You get five on a side, right? You get the... The three division winners and two teams play a one-game wildcard game. The winner becomes the four seed, basically. We start the ALDS and the ALCS and then the World Series, NLDS, NLCS, World Series. So instead of five, what if and just just follow me on this here? What if we did two divisions again, East and West? And I want to find the other two. So out of the other two, let's add in. An extra team. Expand the playoffs. Expand it instead from 10 teams, 5 in the American League and 5 in the National League, to 12. If you're going to do an expansion, don't get crazy. You want to do an expansion? Fine. Make the division winners get a bye. Four division winners, two in each league, get a bye for winning the East and winning the West, and everybody else is a wild card. I'm fine with that. If that's what they really want to do, if that helps the game of baseball, even though it's not what I want... I've always tried to be a purist, but even if that's what they want, give some kind of reward for winning your division. If you need to reduce the divisions to make the math work, fine. The four wildcard teams all go up against each other. I'm fine with a one-game playoff. I don't want a big layoff for the division winners. I don't want them to suffer in any way. They went 162 games and made it to the postseason the best in their division. Give something for that or get rid of the divisions if you really want to. And the pennant winner gets a break. I don't know. But you have to reward those that were the best in your league over 162 games. You have to do that. This year was the first time that didn't really happen. And home field's not a good enough reward. No, I'm talking buys. If you're going to expand things, you got to think about this. You know, I mean, if you had four wildcard teams, let's say, and they have you have wildcard week or Wild card Weekend, or something like that. You want to make some kind of crazy tournament just to get down to the two teams that join the two division winners. I don't care. But in the end, you win your division. You're in the American League Divisional Series automatically. You're in the Final Four. I don't care what you do otherwise. Don't expand it any further than that. You win a division, you're in the Final Four. You want to have two divisions and a bunch of wild cards become the other two? You want to have three divisions and everybody fights just to be the winner in the division? That's fine. Keep the three divisions. Have four wild cards come in. Let them play each other. Single elimination like it's the NCAA tournament. Just to become the fourth guy. I don't care. But the division winners have to be in the ALDS and it has to be a round of four. I think you cheapen things otherwise. You cheapen the season. How are you getting interest in your game if you tell people that the first four or five months you can just kind of watch with a side eye? It doesn't make any sense. And as for the runner on second base, I get the argument that I don't like games that go real late. Trust me. I hate sitting in a ball game and they've cut off the booze and now the thing's in the 13th inning and they won't reopen the bar. I understand it on the weekends going late more than I understand on the weekdays. People want to go home. So I, I get that. You might need to tweak it a little bit. I think it's unfair that you're playing the game through nine and you should be able to play the game through nine without having to worry about the 10th inning. So at least have the 10th, maybe even the 11th be the normal rules and then go to the runner on second base. I could see that. I, I, I just want to preserve the game as much as possible. I can't believe we're skipping over universal DH to get to these two things. Like that somehow we're keeping two different sets of rules split between the teams in, in baseball and we're more into these rules. But then again, I don't think Rob Manfred likes baseball. I don't think he's ever really liked baseball. He just wants to make as much money as possible. But the pitch clock hasn't reduced the time in games. And I think overall, even with the runner on second base, when you take the aggregate of all games and take all the extra inning games, there wasn't a massive difference. Sure, you're going to get that outlier that goes 18 innings. But how many of those are there? Let's get to the White Sox. Because there's some big stuff you need to talk about if you're going to talk about White Sox baseball right now while the World Series is going on. you got to talk about the fact you're going to get a manager. We talked about that a lot over the last two shows. In fact, if you missed the episode that came out on Saturday, a really solid breakdown with myself and Jordan Lazowski from Sox on 35th and Diamond Digest about the managerial candidates and also an analytical view, like which managers can deal with analytics and still make a decision. And when he breaks it down, there's only really one guy that stands out that you're really going to want. And then there's a couple of near, near that guys. You're like a guy that like, ah, he's good enough. He's about 80% of that guy. But AJ Hinch looks like the prize. And the Sacks get to talk to him the moment that the World Series ends. Five days after the World Series ends, we have to talk tenders. We have to talk arbitration. We have to talk whose options are getting picked up. We have to talk about who you're letting go. We have a lot to talk about with the White Sox. In 60 seconds from now, I'm going to break down the 40-man roster, and we're going to talk a little bit about it on Sacks in the Basement. Sacks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. You work hard. You've earned it. Red wing shoes. So I made up a spreadsheet to kind of figure out the White Sox roster right now. Because I think that's the thing at this point in time, if you're a Sox fan, you're trying to figure out, okay, well, what's next? What's the schedule? What's the plan? Well, the biggest plan is that the World Series is going to end. You're going to start talking to managers. But five days after the World Series ends, you're going to have to make some decisions. And there's a lot of guys right now that you have to make decisions on. You have a 40-man roster. Michael Kopech is not on that roster because he was, a, he was a COVID exemption. So he's going to get added on, meaning somebody's got to leave the 40-man roster. Jimmy Lambert's on the 60-day injured list. He will have to be re-added to that roster as well eventually. So you really have 42 needing to get to 40. And you got a bunch of guys you got to make decisions on. Let's talk about the easy ones, at least in my opinion. You're going to pick up Adam Angles arbitration. You're going to tender him. He's probably coming in at about a million and a half most. He's totally worth it. You're going, to, you're going to give him arbitration. You're totally offering Lucas Giolito arbitration. Evan Marshall, Jace Fry, arbitration pickups. We made a mistake on our show, I want to say, a week ago where I had indicated that he was a free agent. I have to apologize for that, but baseball reference and spot track and an article from the Tribune all had him as a free agent. So I don't know where the mix-up happens, but we checked that with multiple sources. And then I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And I dug a little deeper, talked to a few beat reporters and they're like, nope, you're right. Marshall's arbitration. Jace Fry, a lefty out of the bullpen. You're going to give him arbitration as well. You're going to hold on to him. Who am I non-tendering? Nomar Mazzara. I'm non-tendering. Unless the White Sox organization feels like Ricky Renteria didn't use Nomar the right way. I don't think they believe that as Frank Mankino was in interviews talking about how, I don't know what we're going to do with this guy. I don't think the Sox are keeping him around. And they got rid of Yomer last year, so they're getting rid of Yomer Sanchez this year. And Carlos Rodon, I think, has pitched his last game in a White Sox uniform. Look, I always thought it was really cute that uh, Ashley defended her man, her, his, uh, his wife. And I'm not going to say anything negative about her. But I've gotten the impression recently that it almost feels like the Rodons think it's anybody's fault except for Carlos's. And he didn't seem like he was ready to do anything for us in the postseason. He's injured an awful lot. Maybe that's unfair for me to say. I don't know. I'm on my second glass of bourbon. But there's just something about it. I just I don't know how they give him that money. What is he going to make like five, six million this year? I, I just don't I don't think they keep him. Maybe they do. Maybe they're like we want as many arms as possible. Maybe they're just going to look at what happened in COVID as a scratch. Like what you did in COVID didn't matter. But if they really think that way, Ricky Renteria wouldn't be fired and neither would be Don Cooper. So I think Rodon goes. And if we're up to me, I'd let Reynaldo Lopez go too. I think he's a head case. I think Reynaldo Lopez has gotten chance after chance after chance. And one of the reasons that Ricky Renteria has been fired, if you read between the lines, is the amount of chances he kept giving guys. So if they're mad at the amount of chances that he kept giving guys – they obviously are tired of Reynaldo Lopez. So if I had to predict it, I would say Mazzara, Sanchez, Lopez, Rodon. There's a lot of people who disagree with that. Th- that's kind of how I feel looking at it. James McCann's not coming back. After JT Real he's going to be the most sought-after catcher in baseball, and you need that money for other guys. And you have an owner that is taking a financial hit like every other owner in Major League Baseball, and he needs to spend his money on pitching. Gerard Dyson probably not coming back. Alex Colome. I think that he's a really good closer. I just don't know if they're going to spend $10 to $13 million a year on him right now with the current economics and what they need. And when you have Aaron Bummer, and I think he can close games, when they think they found a couple of diamonds in the rough in that bullpen, and as Dave says all the time, I'm going to speak for him since he's not here, and he's under the covers feeling ill, you can find bullpen arms. So I don't know. And you could always make a deal at the midway point of 2021 and bring in a guy who's a closer when you know what's working and what isn't. Edwin Encarnacion and Gio Gonzalez, they have options. You're not picking them up. You're buying out Gonzalez. You're just not picking up Encarnacion. The one guy that I think is really interesting is Larry Garcia. There's an option on him. I think it's about three and a half million dollars. Look. Look. A guy who plays infield, guy who plays outfield, guy who switch hits, guy who knows the team, guy you know, if they don't pick up that option of three and a half million, they really don't believe in him. And they gave so many chances to Yomer Sanchez. They even brought him back on the team. And I've always thought that Garcia was more valuable than Sanchez. So in my mind, they're picking it up. Not everybody believes that, but in my mind, they're picking that up. So with all that information, let me run down the roster real quick for you. Your starters, Grandal catcher, Abreu at first, Madrigal at second, Mankata at third, Anderson at short, Jimenez in left, Robert in center, blank spaces in right field and DH. You got an outfielder, fourth outfielder in angle. You got an infield outfielder and in Garcia. You could do a platoon with those two guys in right field if you need to. Zach Collins right now is your backup catcher and you got an open space on the bench. Starting pitching wise, Giolito is your one, Keuchel's your three, and Dunning's your five. If you think otherwise, you're selling your team short because you're convinced they're not going to spend money. You're, you're selling your team short. Every single person that tells me Marcus Stroman is the target is because they don't have any faith this team will go get Trevor Bauer. This team went after Machado when they weren't even ready. They cheaped out at the very end, but it isn't going to be about years. They were willing to give the money. They just weren't really willing to give the years. Bauer doesn't want the years. This is the team that went out and got Yasmani Grandal before anybody noticed that they could get him. They snagged him so early, they shocked the world. I think they're going to go after Trevor Bauer, and I think they're a horse in the race. That doesn't mean if they don't get him that, like, they didn't try. I think they're going to be a legitimate player in the Bauer street sweepstakes. And you put him in there as your two. And Keiko's your three. And give Giolito an extension for crying out loud, although I don't know if he's going to take it, but guess what? Look how hard it is to find good pitchers and look what he was like in that game against the A's and what he was like down the stretch and how he has become a leader and how Keuchel and he have become like big brother, little brother running that place. That's how I see it. Give that man his money. For like the fourth spot, like sign a guy like Mike Minor. Guy in his mid-30s who can come out and pitch for you because you eventually hope that five spot, which right now is probably Dunning, you've got a guy like Kopech. You've got a guy like Cease. Those guys might start as swingmen. Kopeck might start in the minors. You don't know what they're going to do. Cease is definitely a swingman. He can't be in the rotation. Marshall Fry, Garrett Crochet, now that it turns out that he's not going to need Tommy John, he's in the bullpen for sure. Jimmy Cordero, Cody Hoyer, Aaron Bummer. I don't even know if Foster makes it on the roster if it's a 26 man roster next year. He may be sitting in the minors or one of those other guys I mentioned right before him could be. There's going to be competition in that bullpen. Again, another reason why when you have limited funds, which I think the White Sox are going to be stuck a little bit coming out of this crisis, even though I hate it, and even though I think we all believe they should be spenders, if they decide we're going to kind of save some money here so we can get Trevor Bauer, I'm good with it. When I look at the rest of the 40-man, Jonathan Stevers on there, Flores, Birdie, another relief pitcher. Lambert's going to have to be put in there with the pitchers on the 40-man roster again when he comes off the 60-day IL, and you're going to have to protect Tyler Johnson from the Rule 5 draft. Zebby Zavala, Jermin Mercedes, two catchers on your 40-man, Danny Mendick, an infielder on your 40-man, Mike Rodolfo, Luis Gonzalez, Blake Rutherford, outfielders on your 40-man, and you're going to have to protect Sheets. And you're going to have to protect Jake Berger this year. Sheets is a first baseman who's been working out in the outfield. Jake Berger, a guy that's working out everywhere. Remember, he was a first-round draft pick. Got injured. Now he's back. You got to protect those guys or a team can poach them off of you in the Rule 5 in December. Now, if you let go of all the guys that I mentioned and you drop, in my opinion, the most useless relief pitcher on the White Sox, Jose Ruiz, because I haven't seen him do anything good in the last couple of years, and you got to bring Andrew Vaughn on, and I think eventually he is on that roster. They might play service time errors, but just pencil him in as the DH right now. You're going to have to go find a hitter that's going to be the DH and move onto to the bench when you're done playing service time games with Vaughn, and you need a right fielder. So free agent-wise or through trade, there's only four spots, right field, that hitter, that probably isn't the DH a couple of weeks into the season because Vaughn is, and two starting pitchers. You throw everything you can at Trevor Bauer, right? Because you can fill right field with the two guys you have, if you really need to, in Garcia and Angle. You can find a fourth starter, and you've got plenty of other pitching coming behind, and you've got Vaughn as the DH. Now, I want more than that. But what's the one thing that is out there in free agency that you can't find internally and that there isn't an abundance of? Ace pitchers. Marcus Stroman is not an ace. I don't believe with a a guy who puts on more than 1.3 runners per inning is an ace. He's a good pitcher. But it's it's a point that we made on Saturday's show with Jordan Lazowski in 05. Burley and Contreras and Garland and Freddie Garcia could have been an ace on pretty much any team that year. And you had four of them. Don't ever forget that. Before the show ends, I want to make sure I mention a good friend of mine, David Miller. Now, David has been working for New York life insurance company, and he bought some advertising here on this show, and he bought through the end of the month. But from what I understand, David is taking a new position, and congratulations to David. But I know he's still going to be working for New York life and he's still going to be doing the insurance thing. He's a solid dude. And now that he's leaving New York life, why read the ridiculous commercial that they kept giving me? Because it, it was that one. I kept trying to make it sound interesting with the braiding of your daughter's hair and taking care of your sick parent. Look, life insurance. I have life insurance. It's important because you want to make sure you take care of your family. Okay. you, you, you. If I get hit by a car tomorrow, or God forbid, I catch COVID and I'm dead in a week. I want to make sure that they're taken care of. So I have life insurance. You, you want to have a life insurance guy that's not going to write you the policy and then you forget what you have. Or he gives you like term and you think that you're set forever and then you're not. You want like a solid dude. Okay. I'm telling you right now, David Miller over at New York Life is a solid dude. I mean, New York Life's been around for 175 years. I've met David Miller. I've sat down and had coffee with David Miller. Uh, I've had discussions with David Miller before he even started advertising on this show. Big Sox fan. Give him a call. 773-957-3630. 773-957-3630 or find him at newyorklife.com. He's going to make sure that he takes care of you. Based upon what I was talking about with the White Sox roster needs, I think if you take into account that an Andrew Vaughn is going to be on this team, and I really do think he's going to be on this team in 2021, Andrew Vaughn is the Mancata or the Jimenez or the Robert of this season. Three years in a row, we've had a guy come up, and three years in a row, it's been like, are they going to hold him back? Are they going to start him here? What are they going to do with him? And Jimenez and Robert, Signed deals that had them there on opening day. The White Sox, I guarantee you, want Vaughn there on opening day. If he's not there on opening day, he will be there eventually. I truly believe he's in your lineup every day. So, in reality, what you're looking for is another hitter that's coming off the bench that might be the guy that has to play there a little bit, but you might be looking for more versatility than a guy who's just a straight up DH. Because you got DH first base covered with those two guys. And you also then have to find another right fielder. Unless you believe the defense of Adam Angle and the way that he did so well against righties and lefties this year. After working with Menkino. In AAA and changing his approach. Maybe there was another like level. Maybe a light switch went on. I'm going to tell you something right now. The one thing about Renteria leaving that I hate is I liked Frank Menkino. You know, we, all, we, we always blame the hitting coaches for doing badly. I, I, I got to give him credit. When I see things like Mankino worked with Adam Engel, he changed his approach and look what he did this year. When I see that when guys got into slumps, like look at Robert Slump and look at somebody, and, and these guys weren't in it forever. And, you know, you, you hear about how he worked with other guys in other organizations. I mean, he's the guy that basically fixed Giancarlo Stanton and made him into a monster that then the Yankees went and overpaid for. I, I'm, I'm going to be a little put off if he's not there next year. There's a reason why they moved on from Cooper, but they didn't get rid of the hitting coach. There are other guys there that I think they wish would be part of the next, uh, you know, group of coaches with their manager. But I think the manager means more than anything to them. But I guarantee you that in the meeting, it's going to be, hey, we got this guy Menkino. What, what do you think about him being your, your, uh, your hitting coach? Been working with these guys for a few years. They seem to like him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But but looking at those positions, you don't need to have Jack Peterson. You, you don't need to go out and get George Springer. You can go out and find players that hit in the lower part of your order. Because I believe that Luis Roberts should be hitting in the upper part of your order. You already have Tim Anderson. Juan Mancata's legs are going to come back. Andrew Vaughn's going to hit. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what they do this year. Like I said, Jordan Lazowski said it when he visited us on Saturday. Dave and I talked about it on the podcast last Wednesday. Pitching is the key to the offseason for the White Sox. The player angle, I think, is going to figure itself out. Now, if they do nothing on the player angle, of course, we're going to sit there and say, what are you doing? But I think there's a lot of possibilities out there, too many to get into but we might get into it coming up in the next couple of weeks. Make sure you subscribe to the show. Make sure you go check out our sound check bar at open outcry brewing on 109th and Western. They've got lodges on the roof. Eight people can sit in the sound check bar. It's actually sponsored by the EP podcast. One of the other podcasts on the broadcast basement on demand radio network. But when you walk in there, you'll see pictures of me and Dave. You'll see socks in the basement stuff inside of the sound check lounge and there's free hats and free socks in the basement swag. Free trucker hats, free koozies, free bottle opener keychains. You get that when you go. Go check that thing out and make sure you subscribe to the show. Go back and check out the old ones if you missed them. Some great interviews with some beat reporters that cover the White Sox. I have a meeting this week to set up multiple big events that Socks in the Basement is going to be doing. One of them I'm so excited about. I can't wait to tell you about it, but I'm probably about a month away. Another one, I might be able to have details for you as soon as Saturday. Socks in the Basement, out every Wednesday and Saturday, everywhere. Podcasts can be found, and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.